Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Today is Wednesday, August 21st, 2019. On this day in 1911, a man stole a painting and cemented its cultural legacy. But what's remarkable about the heist is not the criminal's lack of experience or the painting's incredible fame, but how astonishingly easy it was for Vincenzo Perugia to steal the Mona Lisa. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Every day, we tell a timely story from true crime history, then analyze the historical impact of that day's events. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today I'm diving into the heist that rocketed the Mona Lisa to international fame. How did a former Louvre worker steal the museum's most valuable painting in a one-man operation? Let's go back to Paris on the morning of the theft, August 21st, 1911, around 6 a.m. Vincenzo Perugia made his way through the cobbled streets of Paris. Fast, but not too fast. Underneath his laborer's smock and his calm veneer, he hid a sense of purpose a sense of patriotism. It was time to take back what the Frenchman had stolen and return it to Italy, where it belonged. Perugia had contemplated the day's mission for months. He'd planned every step of his rise from petty crime to grand larceny, down to the day of the week, Monday. The Louvre Museum was closed on Mondays, But just because it was closed didn't mean it wasn't brimming with people. Workers milled in and out along the Rue de Rivoli. The front gate of the world's greatest art museum was wide open, just as Perugia expected. He walked right in. He knew there would be only ten guards on duty that day, and if he was lucky, none in the Salon Carré. Even if there were guards, none would spare a thought at the arrival of one of their glass workers. For years, Perugia had made himself a common sight at the Louvre, installing flawless glass covers in the frames of famous paintings, including the Mona Lisa. Perugia still recalled the first time he held the Mona Lisa, Painted on wood, its 18 pounds were no match for the weight of the emotions it drew out of him. Joy, intrigue, and rapture. La Gioconda. Could he ever create something so incredible? Even if he couldn't, sharing a nationality with its painter, Leonardo da Vinci, brought him pride. A pride that was the birthright of all Italians. 
Perugia took the quickest route through the Louvre, blending in with museum workers. If anyone asked, he was here to inspect the glass. Not long after 7.30 a.m., he entered the Salon Carré, the square room where she lived. The gallery was empty, but there wasn't time for admiration. He quickly lifted the Mona Lisa from its four small wall hooks. It was nearly 200 pounds, but Perugia was prepared to lift the weight. He was the one who'd installed the frame, after all. No one gave him a second glance as he carried the painting out of the gallery and into a small, empty stairwell. Perugia knew all the private spaces hiding between the sweeping galleries, and this one doubled as a way out. In the privacy of the stairwell, he removed the glass covering the Mona Lisa, discarding her frame like a lover's dress. He wrapped the painting in a white sheet and with his lightened load, hurried down the stairs. Perugia reached the door. It was locked. He was trapped in a stairwell with a stolen painting. This was not in the plan. Undeterred, Perugia considered the doorknob. Like everything in the Louvre, he knew its inner workings. He set down the painting and began to unscrew the knob. The knob plopped off. He was out. But before Perugia could push open the door, someone called out his name. Perugia turned. It was his old friend, Sauvé, one of the Louvre's plumbers. Thinking quickly, Perugia pocketed the doorknob and greeted Sauvé. Could he believe one of the idiot guards broke the door? Sauvé offered to help fix it. He had tools on him. The men made casual small talk, each word weighing on Perugia. He prayed his friend wouldn't notice the bulging doorknob in his pocket or the painting hidden under the sheet. Sauvé took his time. Finally, Sauvé opened the door and Perugia promised they'd catch up soon. Carrying the painting, Perugia sped out of the Louvre. No one was guarding the doors, so he left without being questioned or even noticed. Perugia threw away the doorknob in an alley and fled the scene. It was a 40-minute walk home, if he was fast. Perugia took cobblestone side streets, remaining as inconspicuous as possible, despite the cultural treasure he was smuggling. Finally, he arrived at his modest one-room flat. There, he hid the Mona Lisa under the stove. Perugia didn't need to look at the painting. He was intimately familiar with the work, her mysterious eyes, her secretive smirk, humanity peeking through the web of distinctive cracks in centuries-old oil paint. Da Vinci's masterwork was the intrigue of the art world. It belonged to Italy. And it was almost home. Up next, historical analysis of the heist. Now, back to the story. Despite it being their most valuable piece of art, it would take the Louvre security over a day to notice the Mona Lisa had been stolen. 
they'd only begin searching on August 22, 1911, after a particularly obstreperous art student made a fuss. 120 officers and 60 detectives swarmed the scene. The Louvre shut down for a full week, but authorities turned up only a sole fingerprint and a doorknob. Both deemed frankly useless, authorities honed in on a variety of suspects, including one Pablo Picasso. For two years, no one would see the Mona Lisa. And yet, everyone would see the Mona Lisa. Police circulated photos of the painting, and the news of the theft of the Louvre's most valuable painting made international headlines. Copies of the portrait spread like gossip, Louvre patrons waited in line to see the empty space where she used to hang. Within a year, the Mona Lisa skyrocketed to immortality. Though Vincenzo Perugia's theft did not bring the painting home to Italy permanently, it made the Mona Lisa the most famous painting in history. After Vincenzo Perugia stole the Mona Lisa on August 21, 1911, it remained in his apartment, unframed and unprotected, for the next two years. On the east side of Paris, it was by no means in a nice neighborhood. Some sources allege that Perugia briefly had a fellow Italian expatriate keep the painting for him, again in a simple apartment. Supposedly, Perugia gave the painting to his friend because he was worried the wintertime moisture in his unheated apartment would damage the wood. It was a failure to plan on Perugia's part, but he wasn't the only failure in this case. Perugia had a history of petty crime, and the French authorities had his fingerprints on file. Their sole piece of evidence was a clear fingerprint lifted from the abandoned frame. It should have been a simple solution. But French police protocol at the time dictated that only right-hand fingerprints were taken from captured criminals, and the print recovered at the scene of the Mona Lisa heist was from a left hand. The sole piece of evidence, and also the only piece needed to solve the crime, was useless. Luckily, Perugia, an inexperienced criminal, eventually came forward with the painting. In November of 1913, he wrote to Alfredo Geri, an international art dealer based in Florence. He said he had the Mona Lisa, desired to return it to Italy, and would exchange it for a reward. He signed the letter, Leonard, hoping Jerry would get the obvious reference. Jerry spoke with Giovanni Poggi, director of Florence's famed Uffizi Gallery. Poggi thought it was worth entertaining the mysterious Leonard. If it was a forgery, they'd quickly figure it out and on the off chance it was the real La Gioconda, it was worth a shot. So that December, Vincenzo Perugia hid the painting in the false bottom of his trunk and boarded a train to Florence. Mona Lisa rode third class. In Florence, Perugia, still using his alias Leonard, checked into a hotel and left the Mona Lisa there while he met with Jerry. Jerry agreed to pay Perugia 
500,000 lire, nearly $120,000 today, as a reward, or more accurately, a ransom. The next day, Jerry introduced Perugia to Poggi, and Perugia introduced them both to the Mona Lisa, which he'd kept in his trunk, wrapped in red satin and hidden under art supplies. It was the real painting, identified by the distinctive crack lure, the web of cracks that span across the painting as a result of aging. Perugia's painting matched old photographs of the Mona Lisa like a fingerprint. Poggi and Jerry promptly turned Leonard in. Despite his noble intentions, Vincenzo Perugia was tried as a criminal, and though his fellow Italians cheered his nationalism, he was convicted of theft and sentenced to a year and 15 days in prison. However, Perugia did get his wish. For about two weeks, the Mona Lisa was displayed in the Uffizi Gallery. It was then returned to the Louvre, where it resides to this day. But the saga wasn't over yet. 20 years later, American journalist Carl Decker published a story in the Saturday Evening Post, claiming he'd spoken to the real mastermind behind the Mona Lisa heist, one Eduardo de Valfierno. The story rested on the idea that Perugia, an immigrant laborer described by historian Donald Sassoon as almost illiterate, could not have pulled off this incredible heist alone. Decker reported that Valfierno was a con man who'd concocted a master scheme to defraud six American millionaires by selling them Mona Lisa forgeries. To legitimize the con, he hired Perugia to steal the real Mona Lisa. According to the story, Perugia gave Valfierno the real Mona Lisa, but stole it back two years later when he decided it belonged in Italy. While this makes for a fun story about defrauding the rich and immoral, none of Valfierno's forgeries have ever come to light. Yet the conspiracy theory lives on, circling pop culture year after year. A tale of con artists and a criminal spiderweb matches the profile of the world's most famous painting. A tale of lax security and a lone patriot does not. But the truth is, sometimes crime is easy. Sometimes criminals aren't masterminds. And sometimes all it takes is the confidence to walk into the front door of the Louvre. Like it or not, on August 21, 1911, an uneducated immigrant single-handedly changed the landscape of the art world. For more information on the Mona Lisa heist and the painting itself, check out the episodes of Unexplained Mysteries on the Mona Lisa. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. 
You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Ron Shapiro, with production assistance by Paul Liebeskind, Maggie Admire, and Carly Madden. This episode of Today in True Crime is written by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Vanessa Richardson.